I'll never forget she and I got into a, a fight while I was there. I don't even remember what we were fighting about, but what I do remember is that she took, I had this really beautiful version of the Tao Te Ching. I remember the cover was sort of this black and white and red painting of uh, bamboo trees and leaves, and it was just a gorgeous illustrated copy of the Tao Te Ching. Well, that girlfriend took that book and she ripped the shit out of it to shreds. She shredded my Tao Te Ching, the master who does nothing yet leaves nothing undone. She shredded the shit out of it. And I'll never forget the irony of that moment. Wow, talk about paradox. What a message. What a moment that was that continues to this day to be a teaching lesson for me. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Does life sometimes seem like an unending sequence of frustrations and disappointments? Do you ever feel like, I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't, especially in intimate relationship? And is it possible that living a masterful life actually takes way less effort than you're currently exerting? Well, in this episode, I dive into these questions and more to make a meaningful difference in your life. Today, I'm going to explore living paradox. It's something that comes up frequently in my conversations on this podcast with other men. It's one of my favorite, favorite subjects. And um, so we're going to dive into that a little bit today. So definitely stay tuned through this episode, I'm going to share with you my three key takeaways about living paradox. Like practically, what does it mean to live paradox? Why does it matter? And how can it make your life dramatically and vastly better? At the end, I'm also going to share a, a question from a listener that'll sort of tie into this. Um, so stay tuned for that. And then I'm going to share just a little bit about what people have been writing in about this podcast, some of the feedback that I've been getting just to show my appreciation and also to let you know that I'm listening. So definitely stay tuned to the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Many years ago, I went to study at a healing arts school in Maryland named Ty Sophia. When I went to study at this school, I was in the midst of a very difficult, intimate relationship. In fact, some of you who've read my work, um, you may recognize the article, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. Well, I wrote that article about that relationship. It was a five-year relationship with a woman that I, I deeply wanted to love and tried my best to love. And at the time would have told you, I definitely loved this woman as good as a man can love a woman. But no matter what I did to so-called make this relationship work, it just never worked. I mean, it was just an exhausting experience. And while I was at this school, Ty Sophia, one of the things that 
they put into my hands was the book Dao, the Tao Te Ching. You may have heard of this book. Uh, according to Wikipedia, the Tao Te Ching is a, a, a Chinese classic text traditionally credited to the 6th century BC sage named Lao Tzu or Lao Zi. Now, that's all debated, the authorship, composition, date, and all that, and that's not really important for this conversation. But you'll recognize some things from the Tao Te Ching, most likely. One of the things that stood out to me at the time was this sentence. The master does nothing, yet leaves nothing undone. Reading that sentence so many years ago, it was like a bomb went off in my consciousness. And I did not really know what it meant, but I recognized the deep, deep truth inside of it. And I would say that so much of my life since then has been a journey towards learning what that really means. The master does nothing, yet leaves nothing undone. You know, while I was at Thai Sovia, uh, my that girlfriend came uh, to stay with me one weekend while I went to one of the, the classes. And I'll never forget she and I got into a, a fight while I was there. And again, of course, I had, sure, the best of intentions. I don't even remember what we were fighting about. But what I do remember is that she took, I had this really beautiful uh, kind of soft cover version of the Tao Te Ching. I remember the cover was sort of this black and white and red painting of uh, bamboo trees and leaves. And it was just a gorgeous illustrated copy of the Tao Te Ching. Well, that girlfriend took that book and she ripped the shit out of it to shreds. She shredded my Tao Te Ching, the master who does nothing yet leaves nothing undone. She shredded the shit out of it. And I'll never forget the irony of that moment. And, um, and I'll tell you, since then, wow, talk about, again, paradox. What a message, what a moment that was that continues to this day to be a teaching lesson for me. Because here I was at the time, this man so deeply, desperately wanting to be spiritual, wanting to be loving, wanting to be a good partner, wanting to be you know wise and all of that. And here was my girlfriend shredding my textbook on how to do all of that. <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, here are some other classic sentences from the Tao Te Ching, and you may recognize some of them. So uh, the Tao does nothing but leaves nothing undone. And and by the way, the, the Tao Te Ching, the, 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 tr- the basic translation of that is Tao is, means the way. Te or Dei means power or virtue. And the word Ching just means like book. So the way of power, you could say, the Tao Te Ching. I'll say that again, the Tao does nothing but leaves nothing undone. Here are some other more commonly understandable phrases from that book that you may have heard. Those who know do not speak. Those who speak do not know. When you are content to be simply yourself and don't compare or compete, everyone will respect you. Boy, that's a big one for me. When you are content to simply be yourself and don't compare or compete, everyone will respect you. Here's another one. If you try to change it, you will ruin it. 
Try to hold it and you will lose it. If you try to change it, you will ruin it. Try to hold it and you will lose it. And finally, in this part, to, to understand the limitation of things, desire them. Listen to that again. To understand the limitation of things, desire them. Those are translations from the Tao Te Ching. Now, I want to dive into some, some practical takeaways from all of this as I've been accumulating this, these insights and, and wisdom learned the hard way from my own life, uh, I want to share that with you in this episode. And, and hopefully this will be a little bit shorter than most episodes, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, so three key takeaways around living paradox. Number one, paradox doesn't make any damn sense to your brain. Paradox doesn't make any damn sense to your brain. And I have experienced this to be true most profoundly through intimate relationship. You know, the harder I try to be a good partner to any woman, including currently my partner, Sylvie, the harder I try to be a good partner to Sylvie, the less of a good partner I become. Talk about paradox. Because the more I relax... You know, there's a lot of talk in kind of the men's work and, and relationship conversations. Um, and in fact, it's one of the top complaints that women tend to have in uh, heterosexual relationships with men is, you know, he's not present. He's not there for me. I don't feel his, I don't feel connected to him. What does that even mean? Well, you know, so a lot of men's work, we try to be present or or we, we, we want to, um, you know, connect more to our partner. But what I find... The more that I relax and simply be present with her, instead of trying to be present, but just be present, the better our relationship goes. Now, let's talk about again what that can mean practically. And, and recently, I worked with a, a couple who was challenged around the husband. And again, it's a heterosexual context. If you're not in a heterosexual orientation, if that's not your thing, just you know, work with this how it, how it works for you. But this couple, heterosexual couple, they were challenged around the husband asking for sex and the wife would respond in very shaming ways. She would say, you know, that's inappropriate. Can't you see this isn't a good time? Why would you ask me that when I'm not feeling good? You know, you always want sex. You always have to turn this into something else. And of course, to which he would respond with more anger and more upset. And it was just a nasty, vicious spiral. And of course, they never want to have sex with each other because, well... Other than just angry sex, which, you know, um, some of us are, are into and maybe sometimes, but that's not very connected sex. It's not very good for a relationship. It's not very, it doesn't feel good as a sustainable practice, right? So here's where paradox can be practically applied. And I call it, uh, you know, I can, we'll language it like this. Can you be horny and respectful? Horny and thoughtful? Can you say no in a way that is respectful? What do I mean by that? So in this case, can she make room for his asking? Like what if she could make room for his asking for sex, meaning to make it feel, make him feel safe to ask for it and simultaneously can he make room for her to say no? 
Like that is where magic happens in intimacy, right? That's the challenge though, isn't it? It's like, and here again is the paradox. Can you be willing to ask for what you want and be willing to not have it? Can you be willing to say no if something isn't true for you to offer and be generous of spirit, of love, of of acceptance, even in your saying no, right? Notice the, the, I'll call it a power paradox. Notice the power paradox in that. Can you be willing to ask for what you want and be willing to not have it? Notice what that sets up in this, in this intimate dynamic. The more that, you know, one partner um, makes space for their partner to say no, right? I'm not going to shame you or, or blame you or, or punish you in some way with my withdrawal or my sulking or my blaming. If you're going to say no, when I ask for, let's just, we'll keep it sexual. When I say, when I ask for sex or I initiate, I won't blame you and shame you for saying no. And simultaneously, can you make space for me to ask? And which means not shame me and not tell me I should do it differently or tell me what's appropriate or not appropriate and when I should and when I shouldn't. Like notice how as we kind of step into a practical application of, you know, paradox kind of holding these two seemingly opposed possibilities, how all of a sudden it's like nervous system starts to relax, right? Start to feel more free to just be authentically yourself. It doesn't make sense to the brain necessarily. And yet the nervous system recognizes like, wow, okay, I I get to be myself, right? Whether that means to ask for what I want or to say no to a request that that doesn't feel good to me in the moment. But while also creating safety for my partner to have their own experience in this, right? Notice both of us get to start to get to begin to relax and a whole new possibility emerges, but it doesn't make any damn sense to your brain. That's the thing about paradox. You know, I want to share with you a story that happened to me early in my coaching practice. You know, in the early days of coaching back in 2013 and 14, like many coaches who start off, I really, I I wanted clients. I needed clients. You know, I wasn't, I I didn't have another steady source of income at the time. I had let go of some previous work that I was doing and, and really wanted to dive all into coaching. But um, I had a lot of fear around money. Uh, I needed clients. You know, my, my brain, my mindset was I need clients. I need this to work. And I see this with a lot of people who want to get into coaching, right? The neediness around a need to, to offer this and to make this work and to be successful, etc. And I did this um, uh, thing called a 100 Coaching Client Challenge in early 2014, it was uh, with a mentor that I was studying under. His name is Rich Litvin. Um, he, he, he offers this challenge. He challenges the coaches studying under him to this, to, to do 100 coaching sessions in 30 days. So I took it on. And I did, actually, what I ended up doing was 96 coaching sessions in 60 days, which was massive. And they were all, you know, free, complimentary. Um, Two-hour coaching sessions by video and and I, th- I probably made after those free free offerings, I made you know invitations to let's say eighty people to work with me, uh, to pay me to work with me to go beyond. And I I f- 
deeply believe and got the feedback that all of those sessions were, were, were impactful for everyone that I worked with, except for maybe one person. How many people out of those 80 do you think said yes to working with me? And I mean, it was maybe 1200 bucks for, for three months of coaching with me after that. Out of 80 people, how many do you think said yes? Now, Remember, I was in a mindset of fear around money. I needed this to work. I needed the, you know, I needed my coaching practice to succeed, etc. The answer is not less is not it's uh it's more than zero. I'll tell you that. That's what I want to say. It's more than zero. And since obviously, you know, we can't you can't just tell me your answer, but just here it is. Uh, it wasn't zero, as I said, but it was less than 1. Less than one person said yes to working with me. What do I mean by less than one? Well, I gave them the option to name their own price. So uh, I think this guy offered me half of what I had asked for to work with him for three months. That's why I say less than one. Everyone else was like, no, this, no. What I realized at the time was they were meeting me in my resistance to money and my fear around money. Like I needed money. And so money stayed away from me. It's like I stayed in the experience of needing money rather than actually uh, having it come in. And I started then, you know, the next year or two were, were a real deep dive into my own work around shifting my fears around money. And uh, you know, long story short, as I worked with my own coach and I had my own, I kind of hit bottom uh, maybe a year and a half after that that hundred coaching client challenge. I hit bottom, and um, you know, it's so easy to lose your fear of um, going broke once you're broke. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's not actually so bad as I thought it would be. At least that was my experience at the time. Now, I didn't have kids. I didn't have a romantic partner. Uh, it was just me. So, But through that experience, I became unafraid to not have money. I thought, wow, well, this is actually not so bad. I mean, I don't have it anyway now, so I may as well fully embrace it and be okay with it. And at the time, my blogs were really doing well, and I just wasn't making any money from it. So but through shifting my mindset around uh, my, my mindset of fear around not having money, what happened to my client enrollment rates, it exponentially got better. So where I went from, let's say one out of 80 people, less than that, saying yes to working with me, after that shift around being afraid of not having money, when I became willing essentially to not have money, when I became willing to hear clients, potential clients tell me no, when I began to actually celebrate someone's no, what happened is my enrollment went to about one out of three people I spoke with. One out of three started to say yes. And by the way, I was charging more than twice what I had been asking when I was doing the, when I did that 100 coaching client challenge, right? I became hooked on wanting for others what they wanted for themselves, not what I wanted from them for me, but what I wanted, but what they wanted for themselves, I became hooked on wanting that for them as well, including my partner, by the way, you know, even if that meant 
for a client not working with me or for a, a woman that I was interested in not being with me, saying no to me. When I began to embrace that, really embrace it fully, paradoxically, I started making, God, I don't know, 10 times the amount of money that I had made before. And of course, you know, within a short period of time, Sylvie came into my life and I've had more companionship than I could ever dream of. And that continues to be a practice of embracing Sylvie's no. And it ain't always easy, but embracing her no has helped her in so many ways to relax and thrive and her own business is exploding and her desire to give to me to to love me to touch me to to you know give me the to meet my needs the things that I that I own is my desires it it it's it's look it's it's not always perfect and it's not always um comfortable and and, and again she still says no uh, often enough but because she can relax knowing that her no is essentially safe with me and welcome with me, well, she says yes a lot. You know, when I saw the other side of this, when I was in relationship with uh, the woman who ripped up my Tao Te Ching book, she had been very afraid that I would not want to be with her, that I'd want to be with some other woman. Uh, she had had some past trauma around that, and so... Uh, with a past partner and to be you know fully transparent you know at the very beginning of our relationship I definitely did not help her with that fear because I was still dating another woman when we started dating and I wasn't honest about that and so that kind of became a, a a thorn in our relationship for the next five years and of course you know just the way we we showed up inside of that and just created more and more trauma together just steamrolled and it became terrible um, over five years. But, but what I saw happen, especially towards the end, I really started to see clearly that the more she acted from a place of fear that I would leave her, the more I wanted out of the relationship. I remember one time I went to have lunch with a female friend of mine, definitely a friend. I hadn't been romantic with this person. I have three sisters. You know, being friends with women has always been very, very easy and natural for me. But I remember telling her one day I was going to have lunch with a female friend of mine. Well, she left work when that lunch was going to happen and she drove so fast to try to break up that lunch she essentially wanted to storm in and and um you know i know I, I don't know what would have happened and the reason i don't know what would happen is because she actually she actually crashed her car while driving to interrupt our lunch she crashed our car her car and uh, called me, of course. And of course, you know, I canceled my lunch to come and, and help her through the challenge around her car. She was okay. It wasn't a, it wasn't a major accident, but you know, she accomplished her desire of, of ruining of, of not ruining, but of, of, uh, canceling that lunch of interrupting that lunch. But that did not engender warm feelings in my heart, uh, about our relationship. Now, Again, I want to be clear. I'm just sharing with you one isolated incident. I did not serve that relationship well. I did not help relax her fear around uh, my um, wanting to be with someone else. So I, I want to be really clear. I'm not blaming her for what happened in that relationship. I'm simply showing one side of the, the dynamic of how this sort of paradoxical, essentially, you know, we create what we fear most. 
we create what we fear most. In the same way she was afraid of me leaving her, and so she uh, would, would act in ways that made me want to get the hell out of the relationship, I was also afraid of being controlled by a woman. And so I would act in ways that were pretty rebellious and um, immature and irresponsible because I didn't want to be controlled. That would just sort of trigger her desire to want to control me more, right? You see how that works? Like we both created what we feared most. It was fascinating to watch this happen. Fascinating. And I've seen that just time and again uh, throughout my coaching work and, of course, in my own life. Now, I, I want to come to the, the second key takeaway because it kind of builds on this one. So this first key takeaway is paradox doesn't make any damn sense to your brain, right? The more if you're afraid your partner's going to leave and you act from that place, they're going to want out. If you're afraid of losing money and you act from that place, you're very likely going to resist having money come into your life, at least in any kind of effortless, uh, uh, ease-filled way, and so on and so forth. If if you you, uh, want sex with your partner, but you don't make them comfortable to say no and safe to say no, they're not going to want to have sex with you, etc., right? That's what I mean by it doesn't really make sense to the brain. I mean, it kind of does, but it kind of doesn't also. Now, number two, here's the key takeaway. Number two, this shit is difficult to figure out by yourself. So I strongly, highly recommend working with a guide or a teacher to help you navigate these kinds of this, this kind of paradoxical living. And, and I don't necessarily mean paying somebody, you know, I listen very regularly to Abraham Hicks videos on YouTube. I love Abraham Hicks work on YouTube. Um, so many videos that also just, you know, a lot of mindset work. I check her stuff out. Uh, never mind, you know, she channels, uh, the story around her is that she channels some beings from, you know, I don't know, the, 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 some inter, inter plane existence or something. Don't worry about that. Um, Listen, if it rings true, keep listening. Don't worry about where it comes from. And also, you know, I've been working with Joe Dispenza's work lately, uh, his book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Uh, I absolutely love it. Also, one of my teachers, David Data, you know, studying the the art of masculine and feminine intimacy. And a lot of his work is, is what he calls third stage practice, what I also teach in my coaching practice, third stage practice. It's all about paradox. It's all about paradox. It's all about, you know, in a way, softening in the face of anger and upset, in intimacy anyway, as a way to resolve anger and upset. Whereas, you know, again, I've learned for most of my life to when there's anger and upset, you tighten up, you you meet it face to face, challenge it. And that only always makes things worse. Right? What you resist persists. That's another way to, to think about it. Now, I teach this in my Love Sex Relationship Magic program, which is on my website, and you can get 10% off of that uh, with the code MENTHISWAY10. Um, but again, there's all kinds of resources. Those are three teachers that have been and continue to be very, very helpful for me in navigating these very practical challenges around uh, living paradox. 
work with a mentor or coach also, you know, if you're really facing some, some challenges or you just really want to, you're really, you're really into living masterfully. Well, invest in that, pay someone good money that you feel safe with, that you trust, that you know will challenge you and respect you at the same time. Um, you know, the mindset shifting work that I do in my coaching practice and on myself is the most transformational practice that I have ever undertaking, undertaken when it comes to creating real change. You know, a lot of the work out there, even whether coaches or therapists or, you know, or, or teachers or a lot of the work that goes on out there is just, I heard someone say this once and I've never forgot it. It's like rearranging the furniture inside your prison cell rearranging the furniture inside your prison cell. That's what, you know, just making more money or getting a different partner or, you know, getting a different job. So much of that just, it's just, re, it's just like getting, putting a new couch in your prison cell or putting the couch you have instead of put it over here, put it, you know, put it over there. Um, you're still in prison. You know, when I'll give you an example. I mean, like when I was afraid of not having money, I would do things to make money you know, money would come in, but I still continued to feel like I didn't have enough money so I could make more money, but I still was in, in my, my mental fear of not having money. I acted in all kinds of ways that caused me to not enjoy having the money and ultimately, in my case, ensured that I would run out of money. That was really a profound experience for me. And it was working with a coach who helped me shift. I didn't, I didn't realize that I had this mindset that was, um, there was this one survival belief that I had. And it was, if I don't have money, no woman will love me. If I don't have money, no woman will love me. And that one core belief caused me to sabotage my life in so many ways. If I don't have money, no woman will love me. So I would hold on to my money to make sure that I would stay worthy of love, which caused me to not invest in, you know, as an entrepreneur, you need to spend money, you need to invest money, but I was scared to do that. So I, I cut so many corners that really hurt my business or didn't even give it a chance to get off the ground. I wouldn't even ask out a woman who I really wanted to date because I was sure, well, I don't have enough money for her. I mean, this was all in my own head. No woman ever actually said that to me, but that was the story in my head that she's going to find out I haven't figured out how to make money in a meaningful way yet, or I've only got this savings or just whatever a woman needs. I'm sure what I have isn't enough. And so I wouldn't even ask out a woman that I was really interested in. I would reject myself before I gave her an opportunity to, well, reject me or to just say yes, Right. Working with a coach helped me break that pattern. And I, a thousand percent, I know that that work helped me create the readiness inside my own mind to partner, to meet a woman like Sylvie, even though at the time when I met Sylvie, you know, my coaching practice, I was probably making about, you know, seven to $10,000 a month, which was fantastic but I was spending all of it on my business, on my own coaching, on the travel that I was doing in support of my inner growth. Like I was literally every month less than $500 in the bank account at the end of the month. But I didn't care. It's not that I didn't care. It's that I knew I had done the work and I knew 
that old story, if I don't have money, no woman will love me. Well, I had shifted that into, wait a second, money has nothing to do with how I love. Money has nothing to do with how I love. And from that place, all of a sudden I was, I, I felt unleashed and I kind of had this, you know, my fear had been if I, if I ran out of money, I'd be a 40 year old man living in my mom's basement in Maryland. That's why, like, what man wants to be in that position? I mean, what woman is going to love a man who lives in his mom's basement in Maryland and has no money? Like, just shoot me now. That's what my fear was telling me. And yet when I shifted that into this other mindset of, wait, money has nothing to do with how I love. And I saw, it's like I became willing to live in my mom's basement and not have money as a 40-year-old man because I knew that I could live in that basement and I would be the most loving motherfucker on the planet. Like a woman would be lucky to be loved by me. Well, of course, I never had to move into my mom's basement. Not only did it not go that way, but my income multiplied by 10. I mean, before this, I was lucky to make $1,000 a month from coaching. Like, I'm, and I mean, within, within weeks of making this shift, I was making seven to $10,000 a month, right? That's the power of this work. That's the power of working with the guide or a teacher. That's, and, and I do it all. I work with coaches and I listen to Abraham Hicks videos and I read my Joe Dispenza book and do the meditations and, and a lot of my own practices too. So, right? That's the second key takeaway. The first one is paradox doesn't make any damn sense to your brain. The second one is this is difficult to figure out alone. So work with a guide or a teacher to help you navigate it. Well, here's the third key takeaway to kind of bring it all together. Paradox is the intersection of two worthy ideas or ways of being that seem to oppose each other, but that when held simultaneously, magic happens. I know that was a that was kind of a long key takeaway, but let me let me say it like this. I like think of honesty and kindness, right? Those are two seemingly opposed ideas for most of us. Like, how can I be on you know honesty? You know, the truth hurts. And, you know, we don't, we don't really know how to do honesty with kindness. And oftentimes we associate kindness with being dishonest. Like, don't tell the truth. Don't say that the soup sucked because it's, even though it's honest, it's going to hurt their feelings, at least in, in American culture anyway. I mean, that's predominant. Other cultures have different relationships. I lived in France and, but I'll tell you though, uh, honesty was definitely a virtue. Kindness was not. Right? So here we go. Honesty and kindness. But consider, uh, kindness without honesty is manipulation. (coughs) Excuse me. Kindness without honesty is manipulation. It's inauthentic, which means it's disconnecting. But honesty without kindness can be cruel. It can certainly be arrogant. And it's also disconnecting. And yet these are the two extremes that many of us find ourselves routinely living in. And no wonder we feel so disconnected so often. So, you know, consider, here's a practice. And again, I'm going to hold these two, as I said, remember this this third takeaway is, is paradox is the intersection of two worthy ideas that seem to oppose each other, right? Honesty, it's worthy. Kindness, 
also worthy. That when held simultaneously, magic happens. So imagine, can you say, or even consider this as a practice, can you say yes to a request only when it feels truly in alignment internally for you to say yes? And can you say no when it doesn't without closing your heart? Can you say yes only when it feels in alignment internally for you to say yes? Not when you just want to be kind or you want to please someone or you want them to not leave you or like you or do, you know, in other words, manipulate them. Can you say yes only when it's in alignment? And can you say no when it's not without closing your heart? Like, what do you think might be possible when you find your way to living honest and kind? Like, what might become possible when you learn to say no when it's really a no and still honor the person before you? Like, remember the the couple that I spoke about earlier where the husband, uh, he would ask for sex, wife would get upset, and there, there they go, total relationship breakdown because um, neither person felt safe. Husband didn't feel safe to ask. Wife didn't feel safe to say no. So what's become, what becomes possible when you learn to say yes only when it's a deep, authentic yes? And hold both of those, right? It's like, can you be horny and respectful? Can you ask for what you want and be willing to not have it? Right? Again, I've given a few examples through this of my coaching practice. You know, I make powerful invitations for people to work with me. And I always, I always encourage people to, you know, get beneath the mind chatter when it comes to saying yes or no to working with me. And, you know, if it's a no, if it's a, if you hear the whisper and it's a no, I celebrate that. Oh, I love clarity. I love it when someone is clear that they don't want to work with me and they communicate it. It's ecstatic. And the reason it's ecstatic is because I know that it's true for them. And once that means when someone says yes, they aren't man- being manipulated by me. It's a real yes for them. And I know that when it's a real yes, we're going to do some powerful fucking work together. So it's it's incredible. It's really to hold these two, to hold paradox, to hold honesty and kindness, to hold horniness and thoughtfulness, to hold my desire alongside my willingness to not have it, right? When I, when I wanted, um, or, or even kind of on the converse, when I was afraid of running out of money and then I realized, well, you know what? Look, I'm willing to run out of money. I'm willing to live in my mom's basement. I'm willing to not have all of these things that I want, clients, money, woman. I'm just, I'm willing. What became, but and still wanting those things, you know, I still knew that my desire, I wanted a woman, I wanted uh, a great coaching practice, I wanted to serve, I wanted, but when I became willing to not have it, well, it's just bizarre. I fucking had it. It just, life took off for me in a way that, uh, as I said, it's magic. But, Come back to number one, paradox doesn't make any damn sense to the brain. So I have needed guides and mentors, um, and I still work with them on this journey. You know, my favorite, 
my favorite kind of this sort of this living paradox example is is this, um, particularly for men. Can you feel constrained by life, by which I mean in some way irritated or discontented by your bank account or your job or your limited impact on the world or the limits of your body or the irritations inherent in intimate relationship with another person? Like they want something from you and you don't always want to give it. That's irritating. Can you feel that constraint? Can you feel the constraint of of the frustration of not having a partner if you don't have one and want one? Or your parents' disapproval or, you know, the politician who pisses you off. Like, can you feel all the discomfort that living a day in your life brings, no matter who you are and what you care about? Can you feel what you feel and not take it out on anyone, including yourself? Can you feel underneath it all to the very real experience of peace that exists right now in this moment. If you're able to actually listen to this podcast right now, that means that no one's chasing you with a knife. No animal is about to eat you. And so there is a very real peace that you can tap into in this exact moment. Can you feel that? Despite all the constraint you might otherwise feel. Can you feel it all without indulging your need to get rid of it? And instead, just be with it. You know, that's required to be horny and communicate your desire for sex and be willing to hear no. You know, Byron Katie, a teacher, Byron Katie, another of my favorites, said uh, a long time ago, I read this. She said, just because a man has an erection doesn't mean we need to do anything with it. Wow, that was life changing for me. Right, That began to open up this paradox that I can have an erection. I can have an erection and be horny and want what I want, but I don't have to do anything about it. I can just be with it. And that makes my intimate partner feel safe. And when she feels safe, she can relax. When she relaxes, her body opens. When her body opens, she wants to make love. But that only happens as I be with my sexual drive without making her or me responsible for doing anything with it. This is living paradox. This is masterful living because you're no longer victim to what's happening around you. You're not responding like a programmed robot anymore, but instead you're free to respond from your heart, from your, your, your deepest truth, not just your surface wounds and your program stories. So quick summary one last time. Number one, paradox doesn't make any damn sense to your brain. Stop trying to figure it out. Number two, it is difficult to figure it out. Work with a guide or a teacher. Study it. You know, Watch Abraham Hicks videos. Read Joe Dispenza's book, uh, David Data's work, my work to help you navigate this. Number three, and I probably should have put this number one, but number three, paradox is the intersection of two worthy ideas or ways of being that seem on the surface to oppose each other, but that when held simultaneously, unleash magic. Here's a few more entries in the the Tao Te Ching to, to, to sort of illuminate this even more. Give evil nothing to oppose, 
and it will disappear by itself. Give evil nothing to oppose, and it will disappear by itself. The wise man is one who knows what he does not know. He who conquers others is strong. He who conquers himself is mighty. And perhaps my favorite, my teachings are easy to understand. This is what Lao Tzu said in the Tao Te Ching. My teachings are easy to understand and easy to put into practice, yet your intellect will never grasp them. And if you try to practice them, you'll fail. I love that. If you try to practice them, you'll fail. <laughs> That's why my, my girlfriend at the time ripped up my book because I was trying so hard to practice them. And she was showing me through you know, unconscious means that I was fucking failing. It's fantastic. And he continues to say, my teachings are older than the world. How can you grasp their meaning? If you want to know me, look inside your heart. The master does nothing, yet leaves nothing undone. So here's how this shows up in my daily practice. I'm doing my best these days to give up controlling how things go. Every day doing first the things that are most important, most nourishing to me. Meditating, exercising, playing with the dog, just having a quiet cup of coffee, connecting with my partner, having fun with my friends. In the past, I would put so much anxious effort into building my business, but I have seen no direct correlation between how hard I work and how much money I make. Really, I've never seen that correlation. I don't believe it exists. But instead, when I have taken care to nourish my inner world, my outer world inevitably looks amazing. So this is my practice of paradox. You know, I want a successful business. I want to make millions of dollars. And also, I regularly work on releasing any fear that I have around not making it because it's still there. But I do that so that my efforts come from an inspired place, not a needy place. In other words, I'm learning to be an active participant with life by allowing forces way more powerful than I am to intervene and do their magic instead of thinking it's just all on my shoulders that I'm the one who has to make everything happen, which is exhausting. I don't have power over life. I experience far more power with life. That's my practice, and it is full of paradox. Feel free to email me if you have any questions about that. Brian at brianreeves.com. Now, I just want to finish with uh, actually a listener question who wrote to me, uh, and I think there'd be something interesting in here. She, I had written a post on Instagram, um, but I'll ask her question, and it should emerge from that. She said, related to your post about saddling someone else with responsibility for your happiness, can you please tell me how is that different from the unhappiness or disappointment that comes when a partner doesn't give you what you want? In her case, she says, emotionally unavailable. See, my post had been all about um, the best gift you can give another is your own happiness that doesn't depend on their behavior. So she's asking me, she's saying, I, I understand and agree with what you're saying, but there seems to be a fine line between not holding my partner responsible for my happiness 
and but still being unhappy because of how I'm affected by his behavior, hiding, being emotionally withdrawn or secretive, dismissive, etc. Okay, notice how you see the ground of paradox emerging here, right? How do I own my own sense of responsibility for my happiness and yet still the way my partner shows up makes me unhappy. Like, how do I hold that? And this is what I mean by holding paradox. You know, in my uh, work with couples, I'm always telling couples, I don't believe in the 50-50 model of relationship. I believe in the 100-100 model of relationship. I am 100% responsible for my experience and for how this relationship unfolds. And by the way, so are you. You are also 100% responsible for how this relationship unfolds. That model, I find, opens up a whole new world of, of um, what David Data would call third stage relational practice. Because it's true, we do impact each other. There's no denying it. I mean, if my partner were to just punch me in the face, I, my nose would bleed and I'd be in a lot of pain. Right? If my partner criticized me, it hurts. If my partner uh, were to sleep with another person, it would fucking crush me. So that's undeniable. The paradox in this is, can I be with what arises in me when my partner acts unskillfully, or in this case, for this woman, when her partner acts in ways that are hurtful? Can she tell the truth about her hurt? It hurts me. And can she simultaneously own that she is choosing this just the same, that she's choosing to be with someone who is showing up in this way, that she's choosing to stay in this experience. You know, we do live in a country where um, we are not forced into marriage. Uh, we are not forced into staying in a relationship. And I know that there may be economic considerations, you know, people stay for the kids, all of that, but these are still choices. And that's what holding paradox is all about. It's acknowledging that I'm choosing this. I am choosing this. I am choosing to be with someone who, with whom I feel unhappy a lot. <laughs> right? That's where sort of the magic of relationship begins to unfold. Because, um, you know, if I was working with this couple, I'm not. But if I was working with this couple, one of the things that I would be doing, especially if I'm working with both of them, is I would be really empowering this woman and, and, and helping her really be a stand for her feelings, for what, what she's experiencing, while simultaneously, simultaneously taking care of herself, really showing up for herself so that she's not dependent on his behavior for her to feel better. Right? She's taking control of her own experience. And for her partner, again, if I was working with him, I would also be helping him own that he has impact on his partner. Right, Help him own that the way that he shows up matters. And he doesn't have to change anything if he doesn't want to. He's a grown man. He doesn't have to do anything. He can continue showing up whatever way he wants. And there are consequences to that, right? So that's kind of, you know, each of them, I'd be helping them to sort of disconnect that stage one codependency where they're each saddling each other with uh, responsibility for their own well-being, start to help them disconnect that 
and own their own experience. He owned that he's choosing this, that he does have agency. He can learn new skills. He can show up differently. He can learn to communicate. He can, but he doesn't have to. And either way, there will be consequences. And he doesn't even know what those are. None of us do. I mean, she may stay with him for the rest of their lives, even though he doesn't change, any, doesn't change anything. I mean, I don't know. I'm not working with them. But see what I mean? So see kind of how paradox begins to, to can, can uh, be a beautiful frame to see these, this, this dynamic through, that the more she just owns her experience, takes care of herself, and um, lets him off the hook. Now, I'm not saying condones his behavior, and I'm not saying stays with him if nothing changes. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's for her to choose. I never give anyone advice. I don't know what anyone should do. Hell, I don't even know what I should do. I don't know much less anyone else. But as she begins to kind of really stand in that practice, well, he kind of has uh, two choices. Either catch up, play catch up in terms of, Okay, learning to connect to himself, learning to shift his behavior, learning to be more vulnerable and more open, uh, because otherwise she's probably going to leave him at some point because eventually she's going to realize, oh, I actually don't need this. This doesn't serve. This doesn't feel good. And I'm not serving him by staying because he's not changing and he's not going to grow if I stay and nothing. So anyway, and on and on and on and on. Okay, I'm just going to leave it there for now. Hope that's helpful. Uh, if you have questions, please feel free to uh, send them to me and to, at Brian, Brian with a Y, at brianreeves.com. <sighs> Finally, I want to just share with you a little bit. You know, people have been writing in. Uh, I've been getting a lot of uh, different comments and a lot of praise. And and uh, I did get one message from somebody from the, uh, actually, I think they left a review about how I tend to be more kind of heteronormative on this podcast. And I just want to acknowledge that. I, look, I'm heterosexual, predominantly heterosexual, so I tend to frame things in a heterosexual context. I do try to be sensitive to uh, the whole gender identity thing, and um, I do my best with that. Uh, I know I don't always get it right, but please know that uh, the feedback is received. I want to share a few emails, just some messages. You know, Sean, thank you for writing in, Sean. Uh, Sean said, Brian, my wife sent me a link to your podcast with Connor. By the end, I was trembling. I thought I was disposable from a young age, but I couldn't describe the feeling. I just started seeing a therapist who I trust and believe can help me. Thank you and my wife for helping me understand the way I feel. I feel so encouraged to get better. I'm so delighted to hear it, Sean. Thank you for writing in. Dallas wrote in to say, fucking brilliant. Simplistic, yet it touched on all things relevant. I shared this episode with one guy and six women. I'm a son of two psychologists. You brought it home. Super helpful. Thank you. I needed that podcast. Awesome, Dallas. Appreciate it. Jesse shared, uh, I think the advice you got about doing a show by yourself was right on. I learned more in that episode than I have in any other. I enjoy the episodes with guests, so please don't stop doing that. But it was fantastic to listen to you dig in about your own practice. I really appreciate Jesse. That's really uh, <coughs> helpful. And uh, hopefully this this podcast continues to serve you in that way. Shannon said, uh, oh my God, I just listened to the interview. This is gold. I love your intro. I felt like I was floating on a cloud and you had taken me to another place. You're so good at creating teasers and open loops to keep the listener intrigued. 
Oh, and did I mention how authentic and transparent you are too? Super impressed, XOXO. Thank you, Shannon. I so receive the praise. Thank you. And finally, Christina, I really loved your email. You said your words offer me a renewal of internal freedom that I had lost grasp of in my masculine pursuit of the finish line of external freedom. Please know those of us who are meant to receive specific teachings from you will, and we might receive some of them years after you write or speak them, but we will, and we do, and it matters. Thank you. Christina, thank you. Your email meant so much to me. Well, I trust this episode will likewise serve all of you on your journey to living a rich, masterful life. Thank you so much for listening. Any links, resources, books, and my three key takeaways will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash menthiswaypodcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the three stages of intimacy and the the delicious tension-filled paradoxes of this masculine-feminine dance that I referred to, please go download my Love, Sex, Relationship, Magic program. It will enlighten you in the secrets of this intimate dance that should not be secrets. It's on my website at brianreeves.com. And as a Men This Way listener, of course, you get 10% off every program. Just enter coupon code MENTHISWAY10 on any checkout page. One last thing, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app. I read them all and your inspired words can genuinely help lead more men this way. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.